God. I mean, it's like we, I'm actively trying to destroy this. Welcome to Unimed's Innovation Overground, where we dig into some of those academic discoveries and innovations that uh, we often hear about but never seem to touch our lives for some reason. And we'd like to dig into that and maybe answer the question uh, why that happens and what it takes to, to move those things into actual things. Thank you for joining us. We're sponsored by Unimed, the Technology Transfer and Commercialization Office for the University of Nebraska Medical Center and the University of Nebraska at Omaha. My name is Charlie Litton. I'm joined by Joe Rungi. Say hello, Joe. Hey, Charlie. And I'm also joined by Tyler Schur. Say hello, Tyler. Hi, Charlie. Uh, Joe, do you have a special message? Yes, please make sure to review the podcast and leave us a rating. And please also make sure to subscribe. We have a lot of stories to tell and want to tell them to as many people as possible. Yes, indeed. We do want to tell as many people as possible about these innovations, not just at Nebraska, but uh, everywhere. Um, you know, universities are doing great work every day, and we like to tell those untold stories. So, okay, all that said, I think it's about time we finally went over picking winners and losers. Tyler, yes. Joe, yeah. break it down. Yeah. How do tech transfer offices pick the winners from the losers? Yeah, well, there's a lottery system, and... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You to, if you draw the redstone, sorry, you're a loser. <laughs> Probably would work, actually. I have a whole collection of redstones. <laughs> we don't. Uh, that's the whole point. We don't pick winners and losers. Right. Uh, that we, uh, that's, that's a whole joke. Uh, we do not pick winners and losers because— How could you? Right. Exactly. Seriously. You know? I mean, on, on Monday, it's catheters. On Tuesday, it's computer science. On Wednesday, it's, it's vaccines. No one can know all that. And you know, we answer different questions. We say, well, can you patent it? That's very different than is it, you know, a successful thing or, or not a successful thing. That's an element of a successful thing. Is there intellectual property protection? That's an objective answer. Is there a conceivable product? That's an objective answer. Is, you know, it's not, is it good or bad? And one of the things that, that we work at at Unimed is, is we make a lot of efforts to try to license our technologies. And that gives us a lot of information. Uh, a good example of that is a number of years ago, we had an inventor come in. Uh, with the design for a hemodialysis catheter. And the idea was you uh, modify the end of it so it could essentially uh, prevent occlusion when you implant catheters in your body. Uh, your body naturally deposits tissues around it to sort of protect itself from a foreign body. That will eventually make the catheters fail. He was able to sort of include into it a, a little disruptive angioplasty balloon, which are little balloons you use to open up your blood vessels when they're clogged. And that idea was, is when the tissue sort of grows over the catheter, all you do is inflate the balloon. Uh, it's a one less surgery for the patient to have to remove and replace the catheter. It's a so we're talking about a catheter that, that stays in place for days and days and days, right? Weeks? Yeah, these catheters, are the, the, when someone undergoes hemodialysis, uh, before you can sort of create the space where you need to get venous access to sort of do hemodialysis, which requires removal and replacement of all the blood in your body, you need a really big blood vessel. And so the place where that starts is in... Um, uh, Sorry, Joe. I didn't mean to beat you over the head with I, your I, microphone, but no, you've okay. got to talk into it for us pe for people to hear you. In, in my defense, the microphone's running away. So <laughs> you stay put. Um, he, uh, uh, instead of waiting until you can create an AV fistula, which we've talked about in, in another pod, uh, he puts a, a hemodialysis catheter, and, and this is the standard... Uh, a patient gets a hemodialysis catheter placed in, in the big blood vessels around their heart. 
that lasts only a certain amount of time until it is occluded when tissue kind of grows over. It's it. like a it's like like almost like scar tissue, right? It's almost like it's I don't know. It's not quite. It's not a clot. No, it's it's not a clot. It's, it it like, is more like scar tissue. It's it's made out of fibrin and and other types of of. It looks of really gross. I saw a picture of it. Yeah, it looks like a kind of a bloody sneeze. It's really Ugh. gross. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, hey, what a description. So I didn't think much of this. Maybe it's you know, time we just end this one. Like a, like a red Rorschach test. <laughs> right. It's another, it's another, it's another, uh, it's another syringe right in the eye. Right? Yes. Um, no, the, uh, the, so. <laughs> All right. So he invented this. Well, you know what? Okay. So I, we didn't think much of it at the time, right? We thought patentable, but who's going to want it? And uh, so we ended up talking to a lot of medical device companies. And really what we found out is everyone wanted it. They thought it was a great idea. Turns out the market wants what the market wants. Huh? Exactly, and so it's it's always a lesson to me that you know even when we're sort of convinced that this is you know got limited application, that's not our call. We have to be disciplined enough to to go out to the market and even things that we don't necessarily think are going to be big, uh, big home runs. You still have to find who makes these things and talk to them, and, and you can't go, hey, would you want to buy this? In theory, you have to go, hey, buy this, and that's the honest answer that we're able to get. And I know Tyler has a couple of examples, too, of even maybe less uh, less impactful medical devices, but that are still really served by market feedback. Yeah. So one I can think of off the top of my head would be the um, a biocontainment imaging unit for small animal imaging. So this is just a, a research tool, um, small animal imaging. We're talking like MRI imaging for mouse models of disease. This is really important. Obviously, we've talked about in previous podcasts how animal models can really further research, pave the way for research to to make its way from from the bench into uh, into hopefully helping people at some point. It goes through animal models first, right? Um, uh, so this would be this was invented by um, an MRI engineer on campus and the radiology department. And this would be this would be really cool. It'd be a way for them to to image mice, uh, first off, image mice that need to be in quarantine, so animals that have like a, an infectious disease model. Um, okay. Uh, second, it would it would actually allow the facility to image um, animals coming from outside the facility as well. So there there's a when animals come in from say another research lab, because so a few points on that I guess right up front we have capabilities. Um, at our animal, in our comparative medicine, that other people don't have. So we have we have some special instrumentation, very expensive instrumentation, and protocols for imaging that um, few others in the U.S. have. So this would be nice for collaborators, for um, for researchers around the country, and m- mostly regionally, um, who might be interested in taking advantage of these instruments. Okay. If they had a way to have their their animal models imaged uh, immediately instead of having to wait in quarantine. So how do they do it? Yeah, so so this would so this is essentially a yeah so it's essentially an animal containment uh, device that um, that doesn't interfere with the imaging. So it's made out of materials and it it's it's shaped and designed to actually fit an MRI imaging unit. Um, and uh, and yeah, the, thinking about market feedback, we had some some a few key um, kind of touch points. So you, so you see this? It's like a, it looks like a clear box that you can fit mm-hmm. in an MRI machine. You're thinking. Yeah. Okay, this looks like a home run. Yeah. Well, we're no? still a little yes. a little skeptical initially, sure. actually, okay. about how much it might be used and who might be interested actually in buying. So, and we, so to your shock and amazement, yeah, so you learned that 
<laughs> Thank Trying you. Trying to get you to your point. <laughs> yeah, sorry. As quickly as I, we I, can. I love talking about this invention, <laughs> as you can tell. Uh, <laughs> so we, we got to talk with one of the major players uh, in, in medical imaging who actually makes instruments for animal imaging, but also for human imaging. Um, and uh, through some conversations with them, uh, with with this with their their uh, German scientists, got to find out that this was an area that they're very interested in. So it kind of validated our concept. Wow! Um, but they they happened to be doing their own R and D in this area, so they weren't interested in licensing. But okay. still, still validated. You okay. know, The invention concept. Well, it's good to know you're not barking up the wrong tree. So to speak. yeah, yeah. And so then we uh, kind of had to pivot a little bit and uh, got in touch with companies that make the the animal caging, um, and they were interested. And so now we're slowly kind of moving forward and trying to discover a model that economically makes sense for both parties to try to move this design forward. You know, they not- think it's a cool idea. That is, well, that's cool. Uh, you know, I think, too, you know, we talked about, you know, like the catheter, which is cool. Maybe we'll come back to that here in a minute. But it also works for these small things. But it also works for some big things, too. Hmm. I mean, you look at, um, what was it? I was, did I hear a story about Lyrica? Yes. So, <laughs> Do you know about that? No? Right. No, I do. Yes. So, Maybe it was a, I had a fever dream a while ago. So <laughs> what, is, what is Lyrica? Am I making that up? Seriously. So uh, Lyrica was a drug uh, that came out of an invention at Northwestern. and uh, Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking of, that one. Hugely, yes. hugely profitable drug. And uh, you know, the inventor uh, of Lyrica is uh, very fond of telling the story about how accidental all of it was. That you know, they uh, ultimately licensed it to a particular company that in the end that company um, wasn't able to advance the sort of particular drug that they thought was going to be the most successful, that one of the sort of less successful drugs in the laboratory turned out to be the one that was really, really profitable for the company that ended up bringing it to market. We had, um, did we have a similar experience with, at UNMC, there was uh, an electrode needle that's used for cancer treatment. Um, Solid tumor ablation. Solid tumor Ablation. Ablation. It's pretty awesome. You use it to microwave solid tumors on someone's liver. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> I like the word ablation. Destroy. That's a nice word, too. Yeah. yeah. That's a $9 word if I ever heard one. <laughs> yeah. The, so so what's the story on that, then? How is that uh, uh, an unexpected winner, I guess? I don't know how, how we're describing these. Now. So the, the history of Levine Probe predates even my ancient participation at Unimed. Um, but the... The sort of story of how it was licensed was really interesting because in the end, it was uh, Boston Scientific that was selling the Levine probe. Uh, we didn't license it to Boston Scientific. Boston Scientific acquired a company that had acquired a company that had been bringing it to market. But again, it just goes to show that the the route in which even really successful things make it to market can be really, really twisty. And I think the thing that's really interesting for us kind of working on these more instant projects is that the more information you have, the earlier you have it, you know, the better you're able to actually um, sort of navigate and accelerate that twisty path as much as possible. So how often do you, do you get a technology uh, submitted through our office and you, and you, you look at it and think, well, this is going to be good. This is really cool. This is something. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's all awesome. And then it turns out, Okay. Yeah, I you, you have to present it to the market. Yeah. And yeah, you have to see if the emperor's got clothes, I guess, with, with some of it. So, yeah, and I, I think as someone who's done it, you know, longer, I, I, I kind of envy. I wish I still thought that way. I wish everything was awesome. It's, 
you know, I think it's kind of the the hallmark. That <laughs> so now you just look at everything and say, well, this will die a slow, painful death. No, I think it's... Begin our slow march of doom. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. How, you, you've read my mind. No, it, I, I don't think that at all, actually. I, I think it's much more a function of um, how are we going to put the pieces together to sort of get this to work? Because in the end it's pretty unlikely that you're going to take it to the market and they go, oh my gosh, let me write you a big check. You know, instead you're going to get a response like, wow, you're getting nothing, right? Then you know, okay, there's nothing to this. The emperor has no clothes. But you're going to get something that's going to be far more ambivalent. It's going to be like the HD catheter. It's like, yes, we love this design. Let us know when you make it. And you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, no, you're supposed to help us make it, right? right. It's like, well, can I have some you know, help or money or no? No, we, we got other things we can put money. But, you know, and these are really big medical device companies, so it's just kind of cool to even get their ear. But, like, we know you got this. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> Pat and, on the back. <laughs> so this is a thing, though. This is out there, right? You can buy it right now? No, you cannot buy it right oh, now. I thought it was a thing. <laughs> but due to our connection, We're supposed to be telling about people, about making things that it's, people can it's use. It's soon to be a thing. It's a thing, but you can't buy it yet. How about that? Is that a good way to speak? No. But, well, that's, uh, that's, that's great for the thing. So the thing. Well, we want to help peoples. So the thing right now is currently helping pigs. Uh, we have uh, three or four pig studies that are ongoing with it. And those pig studies were specifically requested by one of the medical device companies that told us six years ago, let us know do you have it together. And we were actually able to show those emails to some really uh, capable entrepreneurs that were really excited to make the project. And they uh, formed a company called Chrysalis Medical and uh, used their ability to design catheters. Was Chrysalis, was that the one you're talking about last time? Well, someone cut me off. Well, you deserved it. I did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Chrysalis Medical was formed out of some medical consultants on another startup that we had. And, and, you know, what is it? Luck is opportunity meeting preparation. Opportunity was they were needing a new job or a new gig. So they had a – there was a, a little bit of a – I don't know, a little bit of a crash and burn, but everybody walked out – Yep, any landing you can walk away from yeah, it. Okay. And you know, as they were walking out, it's like, hey, let's get in the airplane again. So that was a good sign. Let's get in a different airplane. <laughs> and so we, we, we sort of showed them our, our flotilla of shoddy airplanes. And the, the one that they really liked was the one that I had all the emails from the major medical device company saying, we love the concept. If you can just get someone to build it for us, we would really consider it. Okay. And they went, well, we could build it for you. So that, but that was a technology you thought at first blush was, man, this is probably not going to exactly. generate a lot of interest. It, 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 uh, it, and it, here we are. It didn't knock me over. Still, <laughs> we're still moments away from it still not being a thing. Right. No, we are. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm being facetious. But, I, mean, I think is, what we can say is that you know, we are finally, you know, the, this five-year journey finally has some trajectory. I mean, the the – the last study that we're doing is sort of the last one that they've requested. I mean, in theory, if this study ends up working the way it does, if the FDA goes the way that the FDA is expected to go, in a year we could be having a very different conversation. That's pretty cool. I think it's important to note also that this long road that you off it's a it's a regular theme, I think, and it's it's a long road for all of these things. This isn't unusual for things that take this long. The Lyrica, the Levine probe for all yeah. of our projects. Okay. All right. On that note, I think it's time to come to ground. Thank you for joining us. For Tyler Scher and Joe Runge, I'm Charlie Litton. Um, be sure to check the program notes. We will uh, have more information on all the technologies we discussed today, or at least the ones that uh, um, that we can, I suppose, mainly the, the catheter. Um, 
Anything to add, Joe? Sorry. No, thank you. Okay. Um, until next time, join us again for Unim Unimed's Innovation Overground. <laughs>